There's an entire inventory of Western, uh, Western dramas, um, old style, that appear on um, some of my favorite channels. And uh, there's a great lineup on Saturday. There's another lineup that's a little different on Sunday. And then there's the weekday lineup. So I'll start with the weekday lineup um, that I check out. Um, Grit has some great westerns. Uh, it it uh, repeats the show called um, Tales of Wells Fargo. I'll talk about that one right now. Um, stars Dale Robertson. Co-stars Jack Jing or Ging. I think it's Jing. I think that's how you pronounce it. G-I-N-G. And also stars William, co-stars William Demarest, who plays sort of the, uh, not really the matriarch. He, he sort of has a role like he did on Uncle Charlie on, on, uh, on that great beloved series, uh, My Three Sons. Um, he, Uncle Charlie, of course, was the at-home uncle that, uh, you know, did everything from uh, setting the, the table uh, the big table in the kitchen where everybody gathered for meals and um, you know laundry duties that you would have and he uh, was a go-to guy sort of the intermediary he played a pretty pivotal role on the show um, you know he was ornery yes he was he was can maybe a little cantankerous uh, he was uh, he his grumpy grumpy ornery side no question about it I uh, wouldn't call him the most cheerful uh, card in the deck uh, by any stretch, uh, but yet he was um, much, much loved by the family. Uh, Fred McMurray, of course, stars in that show. Um, and there was certain uh, different uh, parade of co-stars that appeared on that show over its uh, many seasons. Uh, it was a good show growing up. We loved it. We thought it was one of the one of the great shows, um, you know, predecessor to uh, to other shows um, in its same kind of genre, and kind of uh, sort of uh, de-formalized the family drama. There were mistakes made. Uh, the father didn't always have the right advice. Um, he was on the little bit on the goofy side. He was a pipe smoker. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, he wanted his, his downtime, but he was always gave time for his family with some sound, sage advice and very calm, calm demeanor. Fred McMurray had a very calm demeanor. Uh, when they get to be a little bit more august in their years and their more uh, active roles, like double indemnity, for instance, um, uh, are past them by a decade or two. Uh, they make the scene, uh, and they often star in their own family sitcom. Um, and Fred McBurry was a perfect example of that. Um, there are other examples, but Fred McBurry is the one that really stands out. Uh, a career actor, um, character actor mainly, but he did star in roles, of course, Double Indemnity being one. Can't think of other movies right now. So, um, Tales of Wells Fargo with William Demarest uh, playing almost the same role that he had. Uh, he didn't have to switch it up too much, actually, for his role. 
on My Three Sons, which came later uh, by a couple of years. Um, well, maybe not. I think uh, he probably left Tales and went over to, uh, to the uh, My Three Sons set um, maybe almost instantly. I don't have the actual official timeline of William Demarest. Um, so he, uh, he was awesome on the show. But the real star on that show, I think, is Dale Robertson, his calm, uh, calm style of acting, um, his, uh, you know, his sort of matter-of-fact delivery, um, his quick with the draw as, as it needed to be. He was very judicial. Um, and um, shooting up the bad guys, you know, making quick work whether they were held siege in a, a cabin somewhere on a, on a ranch on the outside on the outside of Glory B, which is the fictional town on the show. Um, or they were in town, let's say, or out in the, on the trail, which, which I'd say half the filming occurred on the trail and the other half in town, uh, including ranches and farmland or you know, farm, farmsteads and such so it was a good variety of settings good variety of settings on this on this show on, and other westerns so tales of wells fargo on grit but my main channel my main channel of activity although grit gives me tv a run for its money on me tv uh they present to you um at noontime it's a, it's another show i'm forgetting but at one o'clock starts my western you know i basically put the tv on uh, not every day, but for most days, I start with um, my Gunsmoke. My Gunsmoke. And Gunsmoke stars James Arness. And uh, Festus, I don't know the actor. Um, there's also Doc Adams, doctor, the doctor in town. And the name of that town is um, Drawing a Blank. I'm drawing a blank. I should know the name of the town on well on uh, on uh, Gunsmoke and oh Dodge City Dodge, thank you uh, Dodge City is the town um, Dodge City not Kansas Dodge City maybe Kansas uh, is it Nevada no that's Bonanza uh, Dodge City not Texas doesn't have the right sound to it uh, you probably know where Dodge City is um, maybe Nevada um, maybe not important. Um, and who else is on there? Kitty. Kitty is a great actress that plays Kitty who owns the saloon. And, uh, you know, a woman in the role of ownership on these shows is a kind of a new thing that Gunsmoke had. That show ran something like uh, 20 seasons. Isn't that crazy? You know, 17, 18 seasons, something like that right around that range, at least 15 seasons, because I know Bonanza ran something like 17 seasons. Um, these numbers are approximate, but uh, they're close enough to know that uh, these shows were long-running shows. They still go down in history as some of the longest-running shows um, outside of maybe The Simpsons or Family Guy, which happened to be animated series. Um, so these are great record-breaking shows, and uh, they uh, they had a great kind of feel to them. 
you know, it's a wonderful, wonderful program. Uh, I've not seen Gunsmoke in color. I know, I think I did see a couple of color episodes back in, back in the day, or not back in the day, but not too long ago. But uh, lately, VTV's been running um, black and white, part of the black and white series. I don't know which season, probably the earlier seasons, of course. Um, and what happens in Dodge City? A lot of different things. There's robberies. It's just like any other Western. There are family dramas. There are um, interpersonal tensions between the protagonist and the antagonist. Of course, you need those. You need that ingredient. That goes without saying. Um, there are poignant moments. And there's a lot of humor. Don't discount westerns as, as being too serious all the time, because they're not. There's especially comic relief I find lately on Bonanza. I, 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 I get I, I I don't quite laugh, side-splitting laugh, but it's really humorous. Good comic relief, real good comic relief. Well-written shows, all of them. Uh, good mix of drama, comedy pathos, certainly, um, humility, all real good qualities, um, bad vibes from the bad folks and the, 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 the ruffians, the, the, uh, cattle rustlers, the, the horse thieves, the, uh, shoot em up, uh, drunkard behavior in the saloon, which usually spells, uh, paints a picture of, of uh, fairly uh, bad hombres involved. It usually sets up the drama. Uh, if the show opens with a real shoot-up right away on the first frames of the show, you know that uh, Marshall Dillon, played by James Arness, as I said earlier, a six-foot-five huge guy, hulking man, uh, he totally outscales pretty much everybody on the show. Uh, it sort of reinforces his capability, a lot like uh, Lucas McCain on uh, Rifleman, which I'll mention a little later because it comes a little later in the lineup. At 2 o'clock, it's a show called Bonanza, which was also a very long-running, almost as long as Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke breaks the, re- breaks the record. Um, again, there may have been some more modern shows that have toppled that, uh, the NCIS series, for instance, maybe. Um, and on Bonanza, we have the opening credits, which is glorious. Uh, they drive up on their horses. Uh, they ride up. Uh, they're, they're in a field uh, with the beautiful scenery in the background of Nevada. Um, and they, um, they stop for their names listed underneath them on their credits. It's a great opening. One of the great openings of cowboy westerns and uh, we have uh, Dan Blocker an actor who died at 42 too young from complications after an operation he opened his uh, line of uh, steakhouses actually I just read this morning on my news feed uh, that later became Ponderosa Steakhouse which had up upwards to 600 stores between them, and it was called Bonanza Steakhouses. There were two names, uh, but Ponderosa is the one we remember. 
Um, we have Michael Landon. Uh, Michael Landon is uh, known probably maybe more for Little House on the Prairie. But on Bonanza, he played Little Joe. Dan Blocker played a character named Haas. They were all the Cartwrights. Um, the show dedicated itself typically for simplicity reasons to follow one character uh, on any given episode. You could, uh, you could see uh, Dan Blocker coming into town and having to deal with the locals or any tension that would occur. He'd be away from the Ponderosa, which was their land uh, in Nevada City or outside of Nevada City. Nevada City is the town, just like Glory B or uh, North Fork on the Rifleman. Uh, it's the counterpart to that. And, uh, but the Ponderosa was a huge tract of land, acres and acres big, square miles, big ranch, very wealthy family, the Ponderosa. Um, it figures into every storyline, um, their, their overall comfort and wealth. They were not deprived characters. Um, the writers wanted that to be uh, known. Um, there were large ranch owners in reality in the Old West. And, uh, you know, of course, guns, guns, and, guns and ammo figure into the show. Uh, they weren't gun-toting so much, the family, but they, were, they would defend their own, and they would definitely stand up for others. They had a very, very good, uh, good array of, of uh, or I should say, a good smattering of scruples that family did. Color, brought to you in living color on NBC. The NBC Peacock shows up at the beginning of each opening. Um, on the two o'clock hour on MeTV, uh, most of the time. Sometimes I've caught it where it doesn't show that, that peacock. Uh, one of the greatest iconic images uh, known is the NBC peacock from the 60s to show that the color, uh, that, the ep that the following episode was gonna be brought to you in living color on, on NBC. So the Ponderosa, you know, they've all, uh, they all wear the same thing on every episode for continuity reasons and production reasons. I, I read recently that that's the reason. Um, and I think it's a great, efficient way of producing a show. At three o'clock, we have The Rifleman, which I've talked about on previous episodes. It's an awesome black and white program. It aired from 57, I believe, to 62 or 63, I'm going to say. Uh, Five-year runabout. It stars Chuck Connors. And it's a very iconic opening on that show as well. All of these shows have iconic openings. Uh, we have uh, Johnny Crawford plays Mark, a great little young actor. Um, we, we see him grow up. As we do on a lot of those 60s TV dramas, we see, we see uh, the youngins come of age, which is awesome to see and witness. Um, Storylines are varied. Uh, they basically follow this, most of the same tenets of, um, of distress and resolution that you would find on a classic Western. Uh, shoot 'em up 
at about five minutes before the half hour ends, uh, Lucas gets it done. Uh, whoever the varmints are, he makes pretty quick work of them in the end. Uh, Mike Mark has thrown the rifle over to his dad on many occasions, uh, where the rifle, his famous Winchester modified um, 440, uh, is not within his reach, and Mark has to take care of the situation. And uh, the resolution has occurred, you know. And by the time the show ends, there's a 2 2 1 kind of ratio. There's a, the beginning of the show has a, a, a longer period. Uh, with Rifleman, I think there's a two minute opening before it goes to commercial. And then we have a longer period um, after that commercial. And then after that commercial, another. Oh, approximately 10 minute pro, uh, uh, drama um, sort of unveiling and, and uh, resolution towards the end and then of course at the end the last two to three minutes it varies from show to show is what I would call the epilogue where everything kind of comes to an end and everything's tied up with a nice nice ribbon you know there's not really anything left hanging on these shows um and that's the completeness of these shows is, is really great. At four o'clock, uh, it's a show called uh, Wagon Train. And I started getting into this show uh, several months ago. I discovered it. Um, Ward Bond stars in many of them, but I believe in the first section of the series, uh, there was a, a new character. Chris, uh, who's the wagon master or the trail master, wagon master, who's the key figure, main character, played by uh, John McIntyre, another great actor. Uh, we have um, the cook, Charlie Wooster. I'm not sure. The, uh, uh, Frank McGrath plays Charlie Wooster. And you have other support characters that appear on the on the opening credits uh, that grace that show. So it's a great thing. It's got the wagon train. It shows a lot of wagons on the trail. They stop at different places along the trail. Uh, it becomes an indoor set. Um, you can tell, pretty much you can tell when something is filmed on a soundstage versus in the great outdoors. Uh, some of their scenes, of course, were filmed outdoors, and you can see the magnificent scenery. That's one great thing about these westerns, too, is the magnificent scenery. Don't overlook that. It's just a great, I know you won't, it's hard to, hard to miss, whether it's, uh, whether it's the hills of Texas, the gentle hills, rolling hills, dry land of Texas, or uh, the uh, expanses of California, and Nevada. Kansas, wherever the place, wherever the show takes place, um, pretty much awe-inspiring. And um, I guess Wagon Train takes a little bit slightly different formula, although not a lot different, not a lot of deviation. Um, there might be a little bit of conservativeness, conservatism. Uh, 
that takes place when producing westerns. But they certainly inspired a lot of other shows, non-western. A lot of those great character actors that you see, which is one aspect of these shows that I want to just make clear. I love seeing the character actors traipse and parade through these shows. They're awesome to see. Um, you know, they're, they're actors that are interchangeable with some of the other westerns. Um, on the same day, I might see the same actor appear on Rifleman uh, that I just saw moments earlier on, um, on, on, let's say, Tales from Wells Fargo. Uh, they, 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 they got their working papers. And of course, you gotta realize, you know, probably more than half of the shows produced um, back then in the 50s and 60s were Westerns. CBS had a, had a huge, huge um, portfolio of Westerns uh, over, the, over the couple of decades that Westerns were popular. Is there a Western resurgence? There's more movies being made about Westerns or, or uh, the Western genre. Um, of course, they're more violent. Um, that, 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 that sort of craving that we have for realism, um, I think it takes a little bit of the romance out of these shows. And uh, the, the shows had a great balance of, uh, of drama. You know, they didn't show the wounds too much. They stayed away from the blood. It wasn't until color episodes came aboard in the 60s where, you know, it was sort of, sort of needed to show a little bit of blood. Never anything gory, certainly. Not like you'd see today, although television keeps it relatively under, under relative wraps. Uh, in other words, you don't get the, the gore that you would if you were going to see this in the theater. Um, so, the Western is just a great genre. It's brought us so many great shows. And I've just mentioned just a few, but there are many, many more. There's many, many more Westerns for you to enjoy. So make it an afternoon of Western viewing in the comfort of your own home. And watch the varmints, the good guys, the in-betweens, everybody involved with the great American television western. Lately, of late, um, I have these ups and downs on a frequency high-frequency basis throughout the day. So my body goes into rhythm, or my mind, I guess, or both, both interconnected, of uh, not necessarily stress, but sort of a subtle, I'm going to say the most subtlest, if you're going to define the word subtle, it's pretty subtle. Um, now when I'm watching my Westerns, I, I kind of free myself of that. Um, I kind of like sort of immerse myself into the drama from my previous, you know, just from my previous segment, if you heard that. Um, if you started my podcast at the beginning, my first segment was about uh, the great TV westerns that are still luckily, fortunately, on the air for us to all enjoy, kids and adults alike. 
from ages one to a hundred, you know, <laughs> uh, the old adage. And um, it's a catch-all. The catch-all is, is the Western TV drama, black and white color, um, extroverted or introspective, whatever the drama. Uh, it's awesome. But when I have off time, the TV's off most of the day, a good part of the day. I don't put the TV on till typically on a weekday till around one o'clock. Um, actually, pretty much throughout the week. I, I hold to that rule, pretty hard, fast rule. I like to get the opening titles, so I try to get the TV on just in time for that. And um, I got to thank me TV. It's a good channel. It's a good network. Um, and there were a lot of commercials, was, you know, as many commercial breaks as there was on these old shows anyway, but they were longer, they're longer commercials. Uh, it seems they, they seem to be drawn out. That's the only, uh, drawback of uh, my system here. Um, but if you can get past that, um, you're in for some great drama, but the TV's off. For a good part of the day. And I lie down on my couch. And I've wanted to talk about this before. Because this is something that's just. You know. You, your your body frequency. It, it goes. It ebbs and tides. It ebbs and tides. I think. I think. I might be wrong about this. But I get the feeling that. Uh, if I have a slight. Well maybe anxiety. I don't have increased heart rate. Or blood pressure. Or anything like that. Uh, but it's a unease, slight uneasiness, very subtle, as I said earlier, to use a word, because it is subtle, uh, almost unnoticeable. But if I wait, if I wait in my mind, you know, if I wait with a little bit of discipline, because a little bit of dis discipline and awareness is involved, you've got to be sort of in tune with your body. I think I'm pretty good in tune with my body, um, uh, I think. Um, that the uneasiness goes away on a frequency basis. And this frequency works in about every 15 seconds. So I'm feeling a little uneasy, you know, a little bit uneasiness. Just, just ang subtle anxiety. Um, subtle apprehension, subtle um, worrying. Uh, it gives way to a um, euphoria. I'm not going to say euphoria, but a calmer feeling. And you can see the, the subtle contrast. Do that with yourself. Do that with yourself. Lie down. You know, lie down on your couch. You know, have the cat over by your feet, where they usually are, you know. Mine's right now. Right now, mine, my girl, Lulu. I don't know where my boy is. I think he might be down in the basement. That's one of his favorite spots. Um, he can down, he can be down there for a couple hours, um, but she's right. She right now is is sleeping. Um, she's curled up like a little ball, and she's just very comfortable. So get comfortable, and do this exercise. Just just lie down, and let your let your mind just go. You know, just have no distractions. You know, um, and. Just, I guess, think. I guess, think. I, I, I can't help think. I'm, I'm sort of a victim of my thinking. Uh, we're all we're all a victim of our minds in a way, but we can we can uh, we can 
extricate ourselves from that sort of subtle prison by, um, by using that exercise of rhythm, mind rhythm, body rhythm, mind and body again. There's the connection again. Uh, they go hand in hand, of course. Time immemorial, we know that. Uh, are there other exercises? Sure, there's exercise itself. You know, there's sit-ups, there's pull-downs, there's whatever, whatever way you want to do it. You know, there's going out for a walk, which is probably the best thing. Uh, but it's calming. One of my newly found, relatively newly found comforts, and I don't do it every day, maybe I should, I guess I should, is the uh, United uh, USCCB, I believe it is, uh, United States Council on Catholic Bishops, I think that's what that means. Um, might be wrong about that, might be off a word or two. Um, and they release, I uh, have an app, or a, it's emailed to me every day. It's it's the readings. It's the readings of every day, and today is the first Sunday of Lent. It's a Sunday, February twenty first, twenty twenty one. Um, February twenty one, twenty one, two twenty one, twenty one, and uh, today they're talking about the flood, um, the remnants of the flood, and if you can bear with me. Let me just give you a little bit of what today's reading, the first Sunday of Lent, is all about. Reading 1 from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 15. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, See, I am now establishing my covenant, I love that word covenant, with you, and your descendants after you. Covenant meaning uh, sort of a truce, an agreement, in sort of an in-carved-in-stone agreement. And see, I am now establishing my covenant with you, God said to Noah with his, and to his sons with him, and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you. I'm reading this live as I read it. I have read a little bit at the beginning, but I'm going to read through, and it'll be the first time for me reading this because um, I'm not a big Bible thumper or write, reader. By any stretch, um, I haven't picked up a Bible in a long time, just outside of picking up a Bible. Um, haven't perused or gotten into the words on the page. Uh, but I like these readings. They come conveniently in an email that you can't miss. So you might want to sign up for it. Um, all the birds and, various, and the various tame and wild animals that were with you and came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed. I have to read these passages a few times over to get the meaning because the language, although this reading isn't as apparent, this seems a little bit more modern for some reason. Um, I usually have to kind of read it two or three times to get the real meaning because it's just complicated writing and arcane language and words. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. 
There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. God added, This is the sign that I am giving for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and every living creature with you. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant, again covenant, between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall, uh, assuming that's a rainbow, I will recall the covenant I have made between me and you and all living beings so that the waters shall never again become a flood. That's God's promise to destroy all mortal beings. He's kept that promise. We've had, of course, floods. Of course, we have floods. People die in floods. They're disasters. But they're not the flood. They're not the flood that covered the entire earth. Um, and we all know glaciers melt. Of course, God talks about the heavy rains. But that could have occurred as well. Catholic bishops have put together the, the, full, the full mass, so to speak, or the full readings from the mass. The responsorial psalms are included. Um, I won't read those just for brevity's sake. There's a second reading. Of course, that was the first reading that you heard in its entirety. The second reading is part one, chapter three, uh, verses eight. Well, I don't know what that means, part one. Is it Genesis or is it... Um, the, the wording here looks like Genesis or Exodus. It must be Genesis. Yeah, I patiently waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark. Uh, that looks like it's still Genesis chapter 3, 18, verses 18 through 22. All very readable. Nice big type, too. This comes over, and I, I have my, my phone set on a black background, so I have white type for the most part. Uh, so um, I'm reading this with white type on black, but it's a, it's a font that's approximately a, equivalent to a 12-point font, a larger size font, very easy to read. Uh, the Gospel, um, I don't know what MK means, I should know. Uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. And basically that's it. Um, and that's, and then they have some other, other links to previous, uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, for instance, um, Tuesday of the sixth week of ordinary time, um, links to the Catholic Bible, um, So it's awesome, and it's comforting, and I will finish reading those. But I wanted to just give you that little bit of a um, little bit of an intro to the to the whole uh, reading, adding comfort to your life. When I read those, I, I get comforted. I do. Do I have sort of anxiety while I read them? A little bit, but for the most part, it's it's. Uh, Dissuade? Is that a word? Um, I'm dissuade, I think so, to, um, to be nervous because I'm reading and I'm taking in uh, what the words say. 
Um, and I can go about my day a little bit more complete, a little bit more complete. So am I a good Catholic? I don't know if I'm a good Catholic. I don't go to Mass all the time. I skipped uh, last week, probably out of laziness, I'm going to admit. That's probably most of the factor. Um, church is not far away. St. Cecilia's is not that far away. Uh, but um, it's just a few blocks. Uh, but last week, I know I didn't go to Mass. Um, I feel a little bit more complete when I go to Mass. It's a good feeling coming out of church. It's a good feeling going into church, you know. Um, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. I like the readings. I hope I've explained my calming ebb. I don't know if that's a physiological thing that's sort of a uh, something that's not normal, but I think it's a normal thing. I think it's a normal thing. I think it's God's way of showing, telling you that, yes, you do have worries, and you can, you can dwell on them a little bit. Maybe not. Don't dwell. But that it's going to be better, and it's going to cycle. It's going to cycle throughout the day. And, you know, you could be washing the dishes, and you're not even aware of it. But you're going to go in, you're going to go really phase, it's a phase linear thing. You're going to phase into a, should I say negative mindset? Maybe a slightly negative mindset to a positive mindset and back. And that might happen one or two or three times in a minute. With me, it does. With me, it does. Um, and the, the good's going to counteract, it's going to definitely overpower the negative. But you know that you're going to sort of start feeling that way again uh, in an instant, on a turn, on a turn, uh, without even being really aware of it. They're conscious, they're not subconscious, it's this conscious thing throughout the day and night. And as I get tired, as I get more tired during the day, night, at nighttime, before I'm ready to go to bed, for instance. I'm just tired. Kind of tired of thinking, actually, a little bit. Um, and I'm ready to go to bed. And it's uh, a set point. And um, I've told you many times about my sleep. I don't have to get... There's not a big mystery as to my... I wouldn't say poor sleeping habits, but subpar of late. The other night, I told you about the one on the previous podcast of the hellish two hours I went through, uh, stirring in bed relatively, trying to get comfortable, having little points of comfort, but then having that distress a little bit. I'm going to call it a little bit of a little bit of distress. That's the term I should use for that aspect of it before it phases into calm and good. Tell me if I'm off base. I think I'm generally on base with this because this is how I feel. And I'm trying to relate to you how I feel um, on these podcasts. And I think if you're aware of it and you know it's natural, physiological, as well as uh, mental, I'm going to say, if you know that there's that dichotomy, that, that sort of dance the juxtaposition, and the, it's just a basic becoming aware of your mind and body. 